The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Morning to the Simon County Director of Department Public Health, Gail O'Neill. We have not talked to her in a long time. Uh, I apologize, but that's pretty good news we don't talk to you, is it not? That is good news. <laughs> when you don't have to talk to me, nothing bad's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we called, and all of a sudden, we see now the Center for Disease Control said we are very high or whatever the case might be. What exactly did they say, and, and are you concerned about the numbers? Is there a big outbreak coming on again? Well, what they're saying is that we have the numbers that indicate there's a lot of COVID um, virus in our community and a lot of activity. So we're in a high category. Our numbers are up, as you've seen, and that doesn't really include the numbers of uh, tests being done at home. So it's probably um, number-wise worse than we're seeing. Uh, it seems like almost every family's had somebody recently that's had, you know, the virus that's, you know, attacked the whole family or a few people. But um, we're concerned that people just need to remember COVID's not gone. It's still around. And we kind of now have, you know, as a community know it's here. So we got to protect ourselves, whether it's, you know, it's okay to wear a mask. If you think you need a mask, put a mask on. If you've got someone in your household that's immune compromised or hasn't been able to be vaccinated because they're very young, then, you know, it's it's time to remember that crowded places aren't so good for us, uh, places to spread, and uh, we just need to be careful. Gail, um, and, and I hear people all the time, and no matter how many times you've said it, we've said it, well, uh, gee, I, I, I know somebody that were fully vaccinated and still got COVID. Uh, explain, because you got vaccinated, that was not going to mean you were not going to contact COVID. Correct. Um, you can get vaccinated and you can still get COVID, but what the vaccine is supposed to do for you and works in most cases is prevent you from getting extremely ill and being hospitalized. And that's what we've seen over the last uh, six months is people that are fully vaccinated and have gotten their boosters aren't ending up in the hospital on ventilators. We have people that are in the hospital, um, not in the hundreds like we'd had before. Yesterday there was 29, but none of them are on a ventilator fighting for their life because of COVID. Gail, what percent of people, I, I'm hearing the number increase. There are people that are having having lingering side effects, negative effects uh, of COVID. I think SIU School of Medicine even now has a department that is exploring that and working that and so on. Have you heard much of that here in Sangamon County? And if so, what are the symptoms people are reporting well, the long COVID, you know, it was called long haulers for a while, and now uh, SIU is calling it a, a long COVID clinic. Okay. It, it seems that some of the people, um, and it's not a huge percentage, but I don't even know that it's 5%, but there are people that are just starting to gather this information that still just don't feel right after they've had COVID and aren't back to their normal, um, you know, p- ability to... Um, you know, be fully engaged in their daily life. <clears throat> Excuse me. They may not still be able to smell or taste. I guess you can do without that for a little while. But, you know, just to, to gradually build up their stamina and um, have breathing problems. Some people are really still having difficulty with that. And so um, they're kind of trying to study how many people in the community, the, you know, may be affected by that. Some people are having some cardiac issues, too. So until we get 
um, people to, you know, talk to their doctors and to investigate this a little farther, then we really won't know how widespread it is across the community. I've heard a couple people ask me, and I certainly don't know, that they are having numbness of the feet and toes. Have you heard that as a symptom at all? Boy, I have not, but it, it uh, makes sense that, you know, the feet and toes are the farthest part away from the from the heart, yeah, so point. it would be yeah. something to consider, and uh, especially if they're not diabetic, which is kind of a symptom of that sometimes, that they may want to get that checked out. Maybe there's a, a blockage or something, but those are the kind of things we're, we're kind of seeing. Everybody kind of knew in the beginning a taste and smell is something you'd recognize, but now with so many more people that have experienced COVID, there's probably other symptoms out there that we're just learning about. I'm not going to say I know there is a long-term care facility that's had another flare-up and uh, they have uh, pretty well uh, locked it down. You can I shouldn't say that. You can get in. They just ask you to wear a mask. Uh, but they've had a couple right. incidents of, and again, I'm not going to say which one. That's up to them if they decide to share that information. Are, are most of those facilities uh, testing their residents, their patients every day? I don't believe they're testing every day. Um, they're testing their staff much more often because that's generally where the um, virus will get in for any um, staff <clears throat> that have been out in the community because they're pretty good at keeping track of the, the patients. They're doing um, a lot. Of, they are testing like, at least a couple times a week. Um, the employees that that's, um, that, you know, many of the long-term care facilities have had some, um, many outbreaks, you know, that where they're being very careful. The, um, and schools were at the end of the school year. So it is something that in close quarters, it is something to be concerned about, but the numbers are not huge like they were before. Gail, how about the places that do the instant testing? I know there's one over there at uh, Wabash and Chatham at the old shop and say there's another one out there adjacent or on the White Oaks property. Are they still up and running and are are they sponsored? Is that a business? Uh, I mean, do they charge a fee? Do they take insurance? How does that work? Yeah, my understanding was they take insurance or they had an agreement with the state. Now, some of those sites have been closed because the since we have home tests available and you can order them on the uh, post office, will get them to you in a few days. Um, some of those sites have those down. I need to, I think the one on Chatham and Wabash is closed. I need to check on that. But um, the home tests are very good at, at identifying if you're positive, it's going to show up positive. If you're just starting to not feel well, um, it may be too soon, so you test a couple times. But those facilities either had a contract with the state or were taking insurance, and they were private businesses. Um, what Now, what, the home test, uh, do you know the results immediately, or do you have to send it somewhere? Nope, it's, in, it's immediate. Um, you, you know, go through the process, and each one's a little bit different. But basically, you have to swab your own nose, which people don't like too much, but you really do that. Um, and then they just put it in a card. It's a simple with a drop of uh, a chemical on it. And it's kind of like the, the pregnancy test. You are or you aren't. There's really not very much gray area in there. So you know if you have a positive test, it's genuinely positive. If it's negative, it's negative. Um, unless you're having some symptoms, then we recommend testing in the next day or two. I was talking with somebody the other day. They, they tested positive, and yet they have no symptoms. Their temperature is normal, no aches and pains, nothing. Yet they testing positive. It, it, is that fairly <clears throat> common? It is, um, and some people don't even know, like like the people that you were talking about testing on a regular basis. If they, especially if they're um, unvaccinated, most workplaces require 
especially with healthcare, that you know people test once or twice a week, and somebody will test positive and say, "I had no idea." But that's the reason for that random, you know, that testing is that some people don't have any symptoms, but they could be carriers to other people. So, yeah, some people just have no symptoms at all. Um, a new strain of something coming in. We've had a couple reports here in Illinois. What's that all about? It means that the virus has been here for some time. It's starting to mutate a little and find ways to get, you know, infect other people. Um, that's the science that's interesting with this. It's really like the uh, the flu each year where we try to, the, not me, the, the people that make the vaccines kind of see what's going on um, east of us and other countries and try to decide what's going to be prevalent here in the United States once it gets here and pick the right mixture for the flu vaccine. And that seems to be, you know, the way COVID is going. It's mutating, it's making a few changes, and what it's doing is it's it's really becoming more easily infectious from person to person. So it's not causing, especially with our vaccination status, it's not causing as much illness, but it is very prevalent. Gail O'Neill is with us uh, during uh, at least half of uh, 2020 and most of 2021. She was a frequent guest with us on AM Springfield. She's the director of Simon County Department of Public Health. Have you ever opportunity to sit back and reflect on what transpired in the middle of March of 2020 and to where you are now, was there a point or two you really think that was very important to the whole process and keeping people as safe as possible? I think early on we're like, oh, my, how are we going to do this? <laughs> you know, we, we train and we're, we're public health people knowing that, that things can affect the whole community. And I think it kind of helped me of being around the, you know, a long time where I'd seen a few other um, instances when we had the children we were worried about with meningitis and accomplished a big feat of vaccinating a lot of children in a short period of time. But the magnitude of this, you're like, wow, how can we do this ourselves? And I think we really learned early on we couldn't, and we've developed some great closer partnerships with our medical community and really worked as a team. And I think that's what's been, you know, a, a really wonderful thing for uh, Springfield, Simon County, and everybody around us with the hospitals and the health um, facilities, Springfield Clinic, SIU, Memorial, and St. John's all really had this team of five that we, we started out talking with one voice, and we'd admit, well, we didn't know much, but we did the best we could, and it seems weird that now we still don't know 100% of everything, but we um, know that we what we have done has protected the public as best we can, so we hope we are still able to continue to go that way kind of know when people are tired of hearing us. You tell them to have, to have to wear a mask. It's not the most popular thing, but um, we're hoping that, you know, if you feel like you need a mask, go ahead. It's going to be popular for a while. Uh, I still see. Yeah, you're right. I still see probably 10% of the people, even outdoors, grocery stores, whatever, still wearing a mask. That's for sure. Uh, let, let's change gears a little bit. Uh, animal control, what's going on? Is there an acting director? And uh, will there be a search for a permanent director? Well, there's an acting director. Uh, Jeannie Keenan has come from the health department and worked for the county for 20-some years. She's an excellent organizer, people person, and has a, has a passion for the animals and has been kind of helping us along. She is the interim director. We hired a uh, gentleman that's got 20 years' experience in, a, in vet clinics as a veterinarian technician. Um, and uh, so he's come on board to kind of take care of what we're looking at as the medical clinical component of the animal control facility and uh, we have just uh, a lot of growth we've been you know hired a few more people so we're hoping that 
um, and looking forward, and it's, it's working pretty well, that things are improving at animal control. I think the staff has always been dedicated to the animals and um, doing the best they can. We've just, um, in the process of getting some new policies and procedures, the animal care is, is, our, is our utmost importance. And, um, you know, we go through all kinds of things seasonally. I mean, they told me about kitten season, and that started last week. People are having kittens, and, or not cats are, but the people are bringing in their, their litters of cats, that um, kittens that need to be cared for. We have seasonal um, illnesses that come with, you know, animals, the dogs or the cats from time to time that we just have to deal with, kind of like we do with people. So it's, uh, you know, because we don't know the animals that are coming to us, whether they're bringing a disease in or if we check very carefully, make sure it's not something that's spreading within our facility. But our kennel staff, um, the ones who, you know, generally clean after them and um, they're, they're doing more to get to know the animals, to, you know, walk them and be around them. So I think we're, we're on the right path. Um, everybody's excited. It's, it's, it's sad that we've had a, a, such a negative presence in the community as far as, you know, comments and things like that. And we've kind of been through a lot and, um, really we're, we're working on our public image and our internal one. It's kind of like when you're preparing for something and we're gathering our, our, uh, things together and the staff is working together it's a it's a good thing to see this um transformation again we had a call earlier uh alluded to and i wasn't aware of this because i don't follow this story that close and shame on me uh but uh but the the volunteer or the the volunteer program uh has been suspended for a while tell me about that and what's the rationale behind that and will that be reopened or reactivated in the near future it will. One of the things, and, you know, we, the volunteers are important to, to our organization. One of the things that we've tried to do is just kind of regroup internally. There was a lot of policies and procedures that, you know, not everybody knew the same thing. Uh, the volunteers and the kennel staff, you know, volunteers were, are there to, you know, help get the animals socialized, help get them adopted, um, walk the dogs. Well, we decided our staff would like the opportunity to do that, get to know the animals and to spend some more time with them. We brought a cleaning company in to help alleviate some of the duties that they have, aren't just cleaning the kennels, but spend time with the animals. So we're just regrouping the volunteers. Um, What we had on, you know, we had a record, which I know is not true. It's like 200 and some people registered to be volunteers. And certainly there's, you know, there's groups that help us and not all those people were, you know, active members. And so we're just kind of regrouping, making sure that we are all on the same page when we, they come back. We expect that to, you know, for us to have applications and to kind of organize the volunteers within our department and have somebody kind of be in charge of that. So everybody's on the same mission and, um, you know, so we, we use people's time as best we can. We have dedicated people that care for the, care about the animals in our community and we certainly will welcome them back. We're just trying to get our house in order first. So we're all on the same page. Uh, Gail O'Neill is with us. Uh, let's go to a third subject, and that is uh, it's warm, sure. and there are a lot of activities, outdoor, food involved. Uh, food inspection has always been under your, well, I guess, certainly is now under uh, your jurisdiction and so on. Uh, how do you handle things like, um, well, the lake clubs have them. We had uh, big outdoor things this week, whether it be downtown at Little Flower or whatever. Uh, do you folks have to watch over those do those people have to get a license from the county or the city or whomever before they can operate and then of course we get to the fairs whether it be sangamon county fair or the illinois state fair walk me through your your department's responsibility 
Well, it's for, you're, as you said, it's a busy time of the year. Yes. It happens every year. People that are having these um, events that involve food need to um, apply for a permit with us. The not-for-profits, I mean, there's no charge involved, but we just kind of need to know where people are and what they're um, what they're planning to sell and cook for the public. And, and from our perspective, you know, how much food handling is involved is the greater risk that there is to the community. So um, we generally, most people know to uh, um fill out a permit, let us know that, that they're doing that. And, yes, the inspectors do go and inspect um, all the events that we're aware of that um, people are eating and having a good time outside. Then the Sangamon County Fair comes and the State Fair, Menard County Fair, all those kind of, kind of fall under our jurisdiction. So, And some of the um, food vendors that are at these places are also licensed as mobile food vendors. So we already know them and inspect them. So it's, it's a busy time, but... Uh, we can certainly handle it. So, so again, I want to clarify, Illinois State Fair, you folks, State <clears throat> County Department of Public Health, uh, does the inspection of all the food, not the State Department of Public Health. Simon County Department of Public Health is in charge of food inspection at the Illinois State Fair. That's correct. It's the um, Illinois Department of Agriculture and Public Health have a, a contract with us to, to do that, to provide that service at the fair. And some of their major events that happen out there, they ask us to inspect. So we have an agreement with them to provide um, the state fair um, inspections, and we do educational sessions with the vendors first. And, you know, so it's our job to try to keep the food at the fairgrounds as safe as possible. And we have a contract with the state to do that. Gail O'Neill, kept a little longer than usual. I apologize. I know you're very busy. Thanks Thanks for all you do, and thanks for your time today. Have a good one. You're welcome. Thanks, Sam. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.